Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, here to help you find success in all areas of your life. The power is in your hands. Join our network for free at besteveryou.com. And now, here's Elizabeth. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show. We're live here in Maine, coming to you from Maine today. Uh, I am on my way to uh, New York, upstate New York, to see our son Quaid at Rochester Institute of Technology for the next few days. He is turning 21, and what better way to spend your 21st birthday than with your parents, right, right, Sasha? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's there's one night where we're not allowed to be around him, but we'll we'll be, we'll get him the next day. It should be pretty funny, anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so hi, Sasha. Dr. Sasha Shilkut is with us. She is the author of Brave Boundaries, which is an HCI published book. So we love our, our friends over there at HCI Publishing. We're so grateful for them. But you're a, a tenured professor, professor, I can talk today, of anesthesiology at the University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha, Nebraska. You are an author, speaker, a coach, a clinician, um, so much a mom of four and all these things. Uh, welcome to the show. And we are going to learn about boundaries, burnout, and resilience, right? <laughs> yes. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you today. Yeah. We, tell, me, tell me a little bit about your story. Um, I, you know, I, I have your book in front of me, but I'd love for people to know, um, you know, some of the pivots that you've made in your life, critical moments where you've been like, mm, I need to do something different. Yeah. So the first, I would say, big kind of wake-up call for me came in 2013 when I was a early career physician. I had four young children at home. I looked really good on paper. I had grants, and I was publishing, and I was speaking all over the country. But inside, I was falling apart, and I was completely and totally burned out. I had no boundaries. I thought that the path to success as a woman was to say yes to everything and show up 200%. And so that led me down a really destructive path of being completely unhappy inside and looking at my life going, why did I do this? Why have I chosen this career? Um, Asking myself some of the wrong questions. And it all came to a point where I was so miserable. I was just mentally unhealthy, physically unhealthy, but I didn't know how to stop succeeding because I was, Getting, I was having a lot of success in this overwhelm, over-functioning state, which oftentimes we find ourselves in. So I had a pretty big wake-up call when I realized, like, I, ca- I can't even go a day without crying in my car, either on my way home from work or on the way to work. And I decided that for the next year, I was going to do two things. I was going to say no, and I was going to spend 15 to 30 minutes alone with myself every morning. And what that did was pretty radical. Uh, the, the time by myself, even though it sounds very little and simple, it was actually a huge feat for me to create time for myself alone away from my phone and my inbox and my kids and my job and my patients. It showed me how I had not really done any self-assessment, self-reflection, and I was living for pleasing all these other people. And that led me to start saying no continually to things I did not really have passion to do or that I simply wasn't paid to do, quite frankly. Um, and yeah. it brought me some clarity. So that's when I decided to start a community that grew to, you know, almost 13,000 women doctors and write my first book, Between Grit and Grace. The second hmm. 
pivotal time was in 2020. At the beginning of 2020, right before the pandemic hit, I found myself again burned out. And here I was, I had this community, I'd written books, I coach women on burnout. And I felt this immense shame because I was like, how did this happen again? Again, I'm burned out. The difference was I was burned out doing things I love to do. Where in 2013, I was burned out doing things I didn't want to do. And I realized like boundaries are something I'm going to have to learn for the rest of my life. Because while now I've created in my life and, uh, a, and a career that I love, I found myself burned out again because the only things that stop us from a really wonderful thing in your life becoming toxic are boundaries, and only you can set those boundaries. So that's what was the impetus of writing my new book, Brave Boundaries, where I'm really honing in on the importance of having boundaries, whether our life is going good or our life is not going great. It's, it's boundaries that are going to keep us healthy and well. How do you recognize burnout other than, you know, complete, you know, the complete exhaustion feeling <laughs> that you, that you finally arrive yeah. at? How, how do yeah, you no, not go there, but recognize it and process? That's a really good question. It's that actual diagnosis. There's three symptoms of burnout. You don't have to have all three, but most people do. Men tend to have uh, more cynicism. So that's number one, cynicism, which can turn into anger. Women tend to first have more emotional exhaustion. So, and then the third thing is uh, you just became, you become non-efficient. So you lose your work efficiency. So you are cynical. You don't see a way out. You may display either hopelessness or anger. You are completely emotionally exhausted and you withdraw from other people. And then the third is you lose work efficiency because you don't have the same passion or energy to do the work. Is that sort of like a nothing left to give feeling? It is. And at the same time, you feel often shame because you feel like you you are the problem and you're not able to really see that you're probably over-functioning and overdoing things you're probably good at or you may be good at, but you have lost your ability to self-regulate. And so it's really important that we don't do what we want to do when we're burned out, which is to kind of hide in shame, but to actually reach out and ask for help and to spend time reflecting on what it is that got you to that point. And, and then kind of stepping back and having an awareness of, okay, I, I'm, I'm okay. Um, I just have, I've gotten myself overcommitted and overfunctioning. And it's not that I'm a terrible person or I'm not a good person. It's that I just need to develop some boundaries um, because I cannot help all people at all the time. <laughs> so a lot of times yeah. we have this superwoman complex that leads us to burnout. Yeah. How do you, you know, I, I struggle with this issue. I, everybody knows this. <laughs> I talk about this all the time. And I especially, <laughs> I especially struggle with it. You know, I'm high, I'm high achieving, boy. I'm going to, I'm doing something, I'm doing it. And, um, you know, and I, I lost my father in 2018 and it created a really interesting brew of grief and trying to keep going and feeling sad and feeling like I, I, I couldn't do my work right. And just a, a brew, you know what I mean? Just a, a grief brew, mm-hmm. um, which also is a way to burn out. Mm. I'm sorry that you 
lost your father. And I, I think that, you know, it's often not one thing that kind of burns someone out. It's many little things like the brew that you're describing and then Mm -hmm. something major happens and it's just too much, right? It like tilts you over the edge and then all of a sudden you, you, you start dropping all of the things you are juggling. Yeah. And you kind of slowly pick them back up and you try and with me, I was like, I'm going to pick things back up, but I'm going to pick them up in a different way. Pick them up in a more meaningful way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just quit doing some things. It's like that start, stop, continue thing, you know. Yeah. I'm start doing yeah. that. I'm gonna stop doing that. I'm gonna keep doing that. That's cool. <laughs> but you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's interesting. So, okay, I love your book. I have a copy in front of me. It's called Brave Boundaries: Strategies to Stay No, Stand Strong, and Take Control of Your Time. It's available wherever books are sold. I know today we'll probably send people to Amazon, buy it, review it, all those good things, everybody. Um, tell us all about this book, why you wrote this book. What uh, and, and it's helpful to people if you can sort of explain the structure of the book while you're talking about it, because we're on audio format and I can't really hold it up or anything. So sure. tell us all about your book. So the book is, number one, not a book to make you feel worse about yourself. A lot of times I find <laughs> that when I'm yeah. struggling, I'll I'll download a bunch of self-help books and then I end up feeling like worse. <laughs> like, well, I'm yeah. not that. I can't do that. I don't have this. That's not the purpose of the book. The book is really structured in a way that at the end of each chapter, I have a check-in, check-in with yourself so that you can kind of ask yourself some questions that will allow you to recognize areas of your life that you may have really strong, great boundaries and then areas of your life where you know, the animals are running wild and free and there's no fences and you have no boundaries and you don't even know where to begin to set a boundary. And so it's really a workbook. And I talk a lot about both home life and work life boundaries because to me, you can't really have one without the other. And I know so many people, I coach mostly women physicians who are incredible, amazing clinicians and scientists. And then they go home and because they work, they have this complex that they have to say yes to everything that their child wants or everything that their partner asks them to do, or they, ha- they should be able to do everything themselves and they have no boundaries at home. So a lot of us, great boundaries at work and none at home or great boundaries at home and none at work with our boss or our supervisor. So it's through a very practical approach. It's an easy read and there are questions throughout each chapter to make you pause and kind of reflect. That's the kind of way that I learn as a, as a learner, and so that's how I wrote the book. And I wrote the book because when I burned out in 2020, I realized that I needed boundaries because I was actually really developing a toxic relationship with myself. And I had never thought of having boundaries with myself. I thought boundaries were some you know, psychological definition for people in toxic relationships. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute, I burned out in 2013 and now I'm here again. So it must be something that I need to work on myself. And uh, I realized that I was just over-functioning and it was feeding my ego. I like pleasing others. I like winning. I like making sure that I deliver a product to someone. It's wonderful and perfect. I had really developed this kind of servant mentality. Oh, I'm helping people. I'm helping my community. I'm helping my patients. I'm helping my family. But in the end, it was really dysfunctional and toxic because it was feeding my ego and it was unhealthy. And I was chronically tired, exhausted, and on the verge of tears. And so I realized like, wait, what would life look like if I accepted the fact 
that I couldn't help all people, that I couldn't respond to every email and direct message for uh, someone needing help, that I couldn't coach all the clients, that I couldn't take care of every single patient that has cardiovascular disease, that I wasn't able to be there for my kids 24-7. Like, what would, what would that mean to me if that was actually who I – and those are hard questions to ask yourself – um, to accept that perhaps I'm not superwoman and I can't do all these things all the time. Um, and so that's really why I wrote the book and how I wrote the book, because I think that we have to recognize how much our society, social media, everything feeds our ego when we become this like martyr person who just goes above and beyond and does everything right and shows up all the time for people. It's, it really feeds a very negative, bad part of our ego and ourselves, but we kind of clothe it in this like servant, leader, martyr, whatever we want to call that person. And so that's why I wrote this book because there wasn't a book out there for the everyday human being on how important boundaries are in your life. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about mom, moms working. Everybody moms, listen up here. We're going to talk about ourselves for a little bit here because between us, we have eight kids. Um, let's talk about trying to work and have kids and have the kids turn out okay and have you turn out okay and <laughs> husbands be okay and everybody just be okay, right? And and even better than yeah. okay. Um, it's crazy. Um, how old are okay? I'll, how old are your kids? I'll tell you everybody how old my kids are and you you'll arrive at the number eight here. How many kids do you have, Sasha? <laughs> I have four. I have uh, three boys and one girl, and they are 19, 17, 14, and 12. Amazing. So you know the drill. They're like all two, basically kind of two years-ish apart, right? Basically mm-hmm. kind of a mm-hmm. little bit? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Do you, yeah. Do you remember when you um, came home from the hospital with the littlest one? I'm just going to see if we're at all similar. Uh, oh, yeah. I just, uh, I just remember coming home from the hospital with year-olds. And yeah, I mean, I had four car seats, strollers, <laughs> um, just absolute chaos in a way. Cool chaos. I mean, I would uh-huh. trade it for. I would not trade those moments for the world, especially when you drop the oldest one off at college. You're like, whoa, where did that time go? Uh, yes. Trippy. Um, but I do remember sitting there going, "There's no way I could hold down a job and have kids this small." I remember. That was my burnout. My burnout moment was before that. It was a little bit before that when I had two kids and uh, the oldest ones. And I was traveling around and flying around and conducting seminars and huge training classes with 1,500 people in the room and thinking I, you know, could do it all. You know what I mean? It's everything. Yeah. I can do it. And my immune system uh, shot just blew out. I, have, I, I developed life-threatening food allergies in my uh, late 20s. And uh, that was, oh, those were moments. Yeah. Just health, health just slid right down the, you know, too. Uh-huh. And oh, yeah. I remember, and I got a divorce and I moved and I did all these things. I got remarried, had two more kids. And I just remember going, there is, I like missed the memo on how to be a lawyer and a doctor and all of that chaos. I don't know yeah. how people do it because for me, I felt, I really talked about this too much in this depth, but I felt like a divided human being. And when I do something, I want to do it a thousand percent. And I was like, if I go to work, they're going to suffer. And if I stay home, they're, you know, the work is going to suffer. And I felt like I just could.
couldn't win. And that in itself was a burnout. It was like, I don't know what to do. Did mm-hmm. you ever feel any of that? Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I think I still sometimes feel that way in, in certain aspects. You know, what we have to understand in our society is that our... I'm losing you here audio. I don't know why. Oh, oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can now. Yeah, now? Yeah, okay. perfectly. So what we have to have to realize is that our society, the working culture, the United States working culture is created around men. So it's not created for a woman because she has a newborn. Like that's not a system that is created for a working woman or a, or a mom who's all of a sudden just like your kids, you know, and you have to go cancel a seminar you're leading or whatever Um, because it's based on the assumption that there is someone at home that's going to take care of that. And so the reason that we feel like this as women is because this is the expectation in the culture is that, you know, you don't, you're never going to have a change in your day. You don't need that flexibility because, And so it makes us feel like we are failing all the time. And what happens is everyone knows that we are, like, trying to balance all the things. So if you make a mistake, and there's evidence to show this, like if a woman makes a mistake in the workforce, it's really a big deal. Versus if a man makes a mistake, the same mistake, um, most of the time we're like, oh, yeah, you made a mistake. But so what happens is we over-function at work, and then we come home, and, you know, we haven't we haven't fed made dinner and we haven't been there for bath time or we missed, you know, X, Y, or Z. And we feel terrible because we are putting expectations on ourselves to work as if we don't have children and to mother, like we don't have a job. And so it's a chronic cycle of feeling like you're not enough. And women are incredible. They're creative. We make amazing bosses and scientists and clinicians. We're so good at communication and teamwork. We're collaborative. We need women in the workforce. Like we, we need our creativity. We need our words. We need our leadership. And the only way to do that is to change systems to allow for women during the middle part of their career to be parents as well. Like we yeah. can't keep pushing the square peg into the into the pool and expecting a different outcome. So I think it looks different for every woman. I think, you know, what you define as, as working for you and what I define as working for me is different, but we would both probably not do well in a culture that didn't support a working woman, a working mother. So we have to figure out how can we kind of change the narrative. And I, I can tell you for me, the last decade of my career looks very differently than the first one. It's really terrible audio on you for a minute. I don't know. Are you on a cell phone by any chance? I have terrible uh, reception on you right now. Try keep keep talking. It yeah, you're fading I'm in and just out. Gonna keep, I'm just gonna move to a different part of. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me know if it gets any better. But yeah, yeah. So we really have to just create change the way that we see we um, 
ourselves in the workplace and change the way that women are, are allowed to be in the workplace and that embrace that we are working mothers and it doesn't make us less men and that what it looks like for you and what it, in, in different years of your life too. Like, you know, you can probably do things now that you couldn't do when your kids were younger and that's okay. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a thing. And what I, what I kind of always say is whatever you choose, you know, just don't just choose it for yourself though. Don't, don't make it, no, you know what I mean? Don't make fun of or poke at other women for their choices. Like I can remember when I said, you know, I, for a period of time here, I am not going to be working. I'm going to be, you know, home with the kids and I'm not going to be doing that job anymore. And I just full on quit the job. And I, and I thought, yeah, you know, when the, when the littlest one goes into first grade, I'll start back working again. And, um, but I got so much crap for that choice. Uh, you have no idea the the almost to a bullying point. Yeah, this is back years no. and years ago. Yeah, you know, I uh, you know I I heard I heard things like you didn't get a degree to stay home with your kids, like stuff mm-hmm. like that has mm-hmm. been said to. It's like that's pretty trippy. And so, um, how does that tie? How does all of that tie into boundaries? Teach us a little so bit. So a boundary, here. yeah. This is a great question. So a boundary is really something that allows you to keep the good in your life healthy, the good things in your life, whether that's a relationship, whether that's your job or your kids or, you know, your passion or a book that you're writing, whatever it is. Boundaries allow you to express your time and energy to match your priorities. So a really great reflection is just to open up you know, to sit down and write out like your top three or four priorities. And I have you do this in the book. And maybe they're your family and you're spending, you know, you want to go on a couple of vacations with your family this year. Or maybe it's getting, finishing this, this certification or degree or something. Or maybe it's working on your own personal health, whatever it is. You write out your priorities and then open up your calendar book. And I ask you the question, does it match? And most of us, it doesn't. Because what we are really, what we want to do and what we say our priorities are, you know, what we, what we would profess are the most important things in our life, don't actually reflect how we're spending our time and energy. And that's what a boundary does. A boundary allows you to keep yourself in check so that you are actually living the life that you profess that you want to live. Um, so that when some opportunity or when extra work or when a, com- a committee or a volunteer aspect or a trip or something suddenly presents itself, you can say, hmm, I need a boundary around this because I, I promised myself I was going to live my priorities. And my priority isn't to do unpaid work this year or isn't to volunteer more or isn't to take on this extra project. So I have to say no. And I have to do so in a way that is timely so that I can get back to the person and that is, is kind to them, that chose them, like why I'm saying no, and is honoring my own priorities. Mm. Yep. Great. That's, that's a wonderful uh, way to put that for sure. Um, I'm, I'm, while, while you were talking, I was um, – Listening and reading at the same time, if that makes any sense. <laughs> I'm on page 90, and I'm on page 90 in your book. I uh, just flipped, I, sometimes when I have guests on the air, I flip to a certain page, you know, I just flip the book open and whatever page is we're going to talk about. 
And page 90 of the book is something about your English Labrador puppy. <laughs> can you can you uh, bring your doggy into the conversation here so that we can talk about oh, boundaries? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the boundaries that I, I teach in the book is to have a space in your house that is just for you and that to teach everyone that you live with that when you're in that space, like this is like my space that I'm thinking or reflecting or processing, or maybe you've had a hard day and you're coming home and getting rid of that stress and kind of processing it so that you don't, you know, project it onto the people that you do life with. And I use the example that of my dog. Uh, we got this puppy and he was really kind of naughty and he was chewing on things. And I was just ready to get rid of this dog. I had four little kids. I didn't really want the dog to, to begin with. My husband brought it home and I said, you know, we, we got to get a dog trainer. And so she came in and she said, well, he needs, he needs a kennel. And I said, oh, that kind of sounds a little restrictive and mean. And she said, oh, no, he needs this. He needs to be away from you all as much as you need time away from him. And she taught us how to kennel train him. And, and this, it's, she was totally right. Our dog loved his kennel. Like when he was yeah. tired or when he was, just wanted to get away from us he would just saunter in there and, and and lay down and I realized like basically that was like his boundary place like that was his place to say everybody I need a little time away and so I, I use that same analogy to teach in the book that we also need that whether it's a chair or a little nook in our house it's a place to withdraw and kind of process our thoughts and have a little boundary around that space and when I teach people to do this they say oh well, my kids are little they can't they won't understand that we don't give our kids enough credit. They will understand this. And what you're doing is you're teaching your kids to set boundaries. Like, you know what? I know you guys are all, all going to watch a movie tonight, Mom, but I'm going to go upstairs and, and spend a little time alone because I'm tired. I've had a long week of activities or sports. We want our kids to see us setting boundaries so that they themselves set boundaries. Hmm. Yeah. I, I love this quote. If you don't set boundaries, somebody else is going to be happy to set them for you. <laughs> talk about that a little bit because that is super true yeah. it's something so or true. someone yeah, so, yeah. yeah so I do a lot of public speaking and um, I travel a lot and speak and you know for years I just would kind of say okay you know is there is there a budget are you you know are you going to pay for my trip are you going to pay for me to come and and I would just kind of always hope that the other person on the end of their end would kind of offer this before me having to ask and then I realized like you know, I need to have boundaries with myself. These are your priorities. You're only going to speak three or four times a year, and you're only going to speak for these types of budgets. And and now I just put it out there because I just say it, like, right away if I get an ask to speak. Like, sure, this is my fee. This is what I would require. Because it's an easy boundary for me to not stress about what I say yes or what I say no to. Someone else, I let that other, the other end of the person, whoever was asking me, I would let them set my boundaries for speaking for years. Sometimes they'd pay me. Sometimes they wouldn't. I had no boundaries over my speaking. That's So I talk about that in the book and how if you don't set your boundary for yourself, someone else will gladly set it for you, and it may not be what you want. i got to ask you a question there, though. Let's say we're not in the position of, like, you know, you've got a lot of cool things. You know, you're a doctor. You're pretty established. You've got a best-selling book and everything. And so it could become easier for you to perhaps say no and be a little bit pickier and choosier on what you do and, and the money that you command for it. What if you're not mm -hmm. you? 
And um, I've had three people ask this question, so we're going to go ahead and ask it. What if you're on that uphill trajectory, though, and you need to say yes to just about everything so that you can climb higher and higher and be seen and heard and people know your book and people know you and build your brand and, you know, that that even at at any age as well, not just 20-year-olds or 30-year-olds, but, you know, somebody my age. I I know I feel that way sometimes. I'm like, well, I need to say yes to that and that and that and that and that so that my book is seen. Yes. So great question. And I can tell you that I was that person for about 10 years (laughs) where I said yes to everyone and it did not serve me. And I say this because what I wish someone would have told me had I had a mentor is that it is better to say yes to five things and say no to five things and knock those five things out of the park and do really, really well at those five things and show up and not miss a deadline than to say yes to 10 things, maybe five of which you want to do, five you don't, and give about 50 or 60% to those 10 things, not show up at the best, not over-deliver. So I wish someone would have said to me back early in my career, you don't have to say yes to 10 free talks. You can say yes to speaking five times for not much and over-deliver, like do the best talks you've ever given. Um, You know, stay around and answer questions. Bring material for the people that are coming and hand it out. Respond to emails. It's better to invest and over-deliver for those five things because that's going to actually build your career and allow you to then ask for a little money this time and and ask for a little, you know, better product and and deliver more and have more value. And so what happens is when we're young, I think, in our careers, we do that. We say yes to everything because that's what we think we have to do. And then we may not finish the 10th or 9th item, and now we have a bad reputation. Oh, I asked that junior person, and they didn't finish the manuscript, or they didn't finish the project because they're overstretched. So I think that we have to be choosy. Um, yes, we can't command, you know, large sums of, of money for speaking engagements and all these things when we're starting out. I didn't either. But it's better to say yes to fewer things and, and then over-deliver. Yeah. I'm going to take some more questions here. Um, I'm not going to have you guys uh, speak. I'll just read the questions out. Um, how, how do you put up a boundary and not risk making someone angry? Great question. Great question, and that is impossible. So, um, <laughs> yeah. and I say this because it's not always impossible, but there's going to be about 10 to 15% of the people that you set a boundary with that are going to respond in two, three different, two different ways. So 10% are not going to like it. About 30 or 40, 50% of people are going to be un- unaffected either way. They're just thankful that you responded with an answer. And then the other people are going to, be like, that's awesome. I am inspired by this boundary. But the 10% that are not going to like your boundary setting, they're going to either get angry because they have been benefiting from you having zero boundaries. So now it's like setting a price for something you've been giving for free. You can't expect that person to be happy about it. The second thing that happens is people are, are confused, and they may actually, most likely they are jealous. They are jealous because you are setting a boundary that they themselves have never thought of setting or that they didn't even know they were empowered to set. So this happens all the time to me. I'll set a boundary at my workplace, and my coworkers will say, 
well, how come you, you don't have to do that? And I said, well, because it's not on my job description, and I'm actually not paid to do that. Well, they, I asked that I was asked to do it, and I had to say yes. I said, no, actually, you said yes. You didn't have to say yes. Here, <laughs> let me explain. So, you, you know, a lot of people are just, they've never thought of setting the boundary, or they're benefiting from you having no boundaries. And those people are going to be mad, but you know what? Your health and well-being is worth 15 to 30 seconds of feeling uncomfortable around someone else. Yeah, remember your so value, find your people. 20 seconds of brave. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Remember your value. I love that. Find your 20 seconds of brave. That's so important. And I, 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 I continue, I think we, correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of think this is a lesson that we learn over and over and over again. You know, so, and it's kind of, it can be even case by case or person by person. You're like, mm, do I need a boundary, not a boundary? You know, you're thinking it and then yep. you go, oh, I should have set a boundary there, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And I know yeah. I learned this in business with Best Ever You. In fact, I just had a boundary jumper the other day and I put the boundary up higher. I'm like, no. And it came at me four, four, four emails until they finally got oh, the goodness. message. And it was, I need a free copy of your magazine. I've, I've, uh, I've, I've done something with the magazine, but, you know, I've contributed to it, and um, I expect you to give me the magazine for free. And I'm like, well, we're not doing that right now. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a pricey magazine, and in a way, the, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a download for like three dollars and fifty cents, or it's, a, or you buy it for fifteen. And I'm like, if, if I gave a magazine and sent you a $20 magazine to every single person who asked me for a magazine, you know, I wouldn't have a magazine, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yes. I said, I'm really happy that you contributed, but right now she's like, well, just email me the PDF. And I'm like, you're not hearing me. The PDF is massive. I can't email you yes. that PDF, you know, kind of thing. We're asking people to download the PDF, even if you've contributed. Do, 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 do. Oh, mad. mad. Like mad. Yeah. Like, I don't want to contribute to your magazine. I'm like, Okay. Yes. I don't know what to say. Yes. And, and, and yes, you're exactly right, though. And I love that you just shared such an authentic, real story because I still struggle with some boundaries with some people. I, all of us have oh, yeah. areas of our life that are really hard to set boundaries. And it's actually hardest to set the boundary with people you love and people you respect. And, and oh. that may sound odd, but, you know, like this person that is sending you this, like, the reason that you could set four boundaries with her is because, or him, is because um, that you're not super close to this person, right? Like it frustrated yeah. you and it was annoying, but you could set the boundary. But if it was like your best friend asking you for that, it would be harder, right? So, oh so yeah, and, and I have hard that too, to set you know? boundaries. Yes. Siblings going, just send it out to me. I'm like, uh-uh. I know your family yeah. and you're my sister, but you're going to pay for it like everybody else. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, because otherwise yes. I burn out. I'm like, I cannot give all of my 10 siblings a copy of my magazine for free. You know, it's it's hundreds of dollars. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it this time. You guys want it? you got to download it. And I'll donate the money yes. to something cool, but I'm not doing that. But um, you're, yes. you're so right, because I'm going to go all mom on us again. And you try setting a boundary with a kid screaming in a grocery store who wants a bag of candy or something. And you're like, no, you can't have that. Ah, no, you can't have that. No. Ah. And you're like, Oh, just take it and be quiet. And you're like, oh, I should have set a boundary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something, it's a muscle that you have to flex, and it gets stronger over time, and it's hard. I mean, when I first started saying no at work, people were so used to me saying yes that they didn't even hear it. They'd be like, 
can you take what? this call? And I was like, no, I really can't. And they'd say, okay, well, we put you on call. And I'm like, wait a minute, did no one wait. hear me? Because I was so bad at saying no that it took me several months before anyone would even hear me my no and accept it. So we just have to give ourselves immense grace when we're doing this. And um, most of us have a pain point in our life, and I talk about this in the book, that it, we don't realize is a boundary issue. And we fear setting boundaries. We don't want to set boundaries. We avoid it with the, either this person or this or this whatever it is, the situation. And it's really interesting how often we don't realize that our anger or our anxiety in life comes from someone continually crossing our boundaries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so true right there. And isn't it interesting, too? Yeah, let's talk about what you will and won't put up with and maybe a final breaking point. Like, it, it, what's a, talk about like a moment where you're just like, oh, I have to put up a boundary. And you don't say it like that. It, it comes out differently, but a boundary goes up. Talk maybe about breaking point. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is one of my favorite ones to talk about is vacations. Okay, so we all have these vacations that we take time off of work to do X, Y, or Z. And the expectation in healthcare, at least in medicine, is that you will check your email all the time and you will be available all the time, even if you're on vacation. So a couple of years ago, I realized that I was spending about an hour a morning getting up really early before everybody else checking my email just so I could have a vacation day. And I realized this is so dysfunctional. Like I need to just actually take a vacation day. Like, what? I, I can't even fathom this. And so I started, like, the pregame, you know, the pregame, like, before I go on vacation, like, alerting everybody, I'm going on vacation, I'm not going to have my inbox. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then nobody listens, nobody cares, because they all know you're going to still check your email. And so one year, my admin assistant actually said to me, I am really worried about you. You really seem like you're stressed. You need this vacation. And you already are telling me when you're going to send me stuff on your vacation. And she said, you have to just delete the app from your phone. Delete Outlook off your phone for this week. And I was like, what? (laughs) I can't do that. I'm going to come home to 800 emails. And she's like, just do it. And I'm telling you, it was the best vacation I ever had. And the life kept going. Nobody died because there's no email emergencies. Nobody dies over email. And everything happened that needed to still happen. And when I came back, yes, I had hundreds of emails, but 90% of them were obsolete and somebody had already answered the question or the problem had already was over and done. And I realized like, oh my gosh, the rest of my life when I go on vacation, I have to do this because here's the thing. I have so many clients who I coach that say, well, I'm not going to answer the emails, but I'm just going to read them. But then you know yeah. what happens? You read an email that it takes your brain space. You're sitting on yeah. the beach and you read the email, and now you're angry about the stupid email, or you're thinking about, oh, gosh, this is wrong. They're doing this wrong. Maybe I should intervene. And suddenly you're not talking to yourself, or you're not ta- watching your kids, or you're not engaging with your mom or your sister who you're with. We have to set up super strong boundaries, like no more email on vacation. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, yeah, so it's it's that clean your house before the housekeeper gets there. <laughs> clean everything up before you go on a vacation. Need a vacation from your vacation, all those things. Um, yeah, no, I completely get it. 
It's funny. I, I relate completely. Um, okay, we're going to go all serious for a second here, um, completely on the pandemic. I, I do, I'm going to mark the show pandemic related because I want to talk to you about the pandemic and what I want to talk to you about, about the pandemic. And if you need a pass on this, you let me know, but I think I'm covering things that are kind of already in your book anyway, but um, everybody right now that I talk to, and I'm going to go, everybody is exhausted from the pandemic. And now mm-hmm. we are even getting even more exhausted with hearing of flu, uh, COVID a flu or whatever it is. I probably just said that wrong. You can fix it. Um, it, it uh, the RSV, the, you know, everybody is like, oh my God, you know, the, the ICU beds are full with kids and throw a little politics on top of it. And I'm going to talk brew again. You know, there's this brew brewing of just complete burnout, exhaustion and everything like life burnout. I was just thinking about mm-hmm. this as, uh, before the show as I was, you know, cleaning up the kitchen and stuff. And I'm like, you know, people are tired right now. What? Yeah. Is that true? Sort of completely, maybe for some or whatever. And two, what in the world do we do with that? Because it's going to happen yeah. no matter what. The flu's here. The, you know, all this stuff is here. How do we? Yeah. I, I sometimes, um, you know, COVID slowed everybody down to the point where like, oh, okay, this sucks, but Okay. Um, but it didn't slow some people down like you. I'm reading in your book, you know, you're you're a doctor. You're going full mock speed with trying to keep your own parents alive and all this stuff, too. Yep. Yep. That's a lot of questions. Yeah. You figure that out. <laughs> you get my yeah. <laughs> no, there's a lot we could unpack, but um, yeah. you are correct. Everyone is exhausted. Yeah. The McKinsey report that comes out every September that looks at the workplace, the U.S. workforce, I always read it, and The number one recommendation for McKinsey this year for the U.S. workforce, because people are leaving the workforce in droves, as you know, it's the great resignation, boundaries. Every company, it said, should have boundaries because what happened in COVID is all of our work-life boundaries were blurred. Like, you may be at home working, but then you're, like, throwing in laundry, so you're like, well, am I really working? But then it's 10 o'clock at night, and you're still up working. So, yes. Like instead of working for eight or 10 hours in an office, now we're working like 16 hours and it's all a a hot mess and we're exhausted and we're exhausted from the constant headlines and the stress and the division and the illness and the, you know, you should be doing this. You shouldn't be doing this. And so you are absolutely correct. And this has been a radical mindset uh, shift for me is, I have always been taught, and I've had this kind of farmer mentality growing up in the Midwest and my parents, that you play and you rest when the work is done. But it no longer works because the work is never done. The stress is always there. The diseases are always popping up. You know, we have disasters and and just catastrophic well, events. Florida, and, yeah. And, I'm thinking Florida. Uh, yeah. I'm like, Florida's tired yeah. right like, now. It's like, oh, everything, my God. Yeah. It, it, it's just like now because of the pandemic, it's like we're so hyper-acute of all this trauma that because we just experienced trauma that we feel like it's like death by a thousand cuts. And you have to remember that only you can rest for yourself. Only you Beautiful. can pull back yeah. and go, you know, the world is on fire right now, but I don't have to be on fire right now. And I'm just going to sit here and pause and reflect and find some gratitude. So I have to Beautiful. now 
look very differently. And instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I got to get up at 530 and I got to start working and I got to check my inbox. I go, oh my gosh, I have so much to do today. I'm going to go to the kitchen and drink tea for 20 minutes (laughs) and get my thoughts together because I have so much work to do. I'm not actually going to start working. I'm going to be grateful and have gratitude and choose to not be on fire today, even though the world is. Yeah. Uh, it's so well put. Yeah, and my husband and I were like, okay, we've got a four-day work. We're leaving for four days. We've got to squeeze all of our work into four days so we can go Friday through Monday. And I'm like, ah, yep, we do. And we've been, we meet, you know, we're kind of meeting in the morning going, this is the day because we both work from home and mm-hmm. we have for like 20 years. And we we're going through it again. And we're like, all right, this is the day. And this is, and, and we will, we plan in breaks. So it's really mm, helpful. That. It's, uh, yeah, we, we are like that from this point to this point, nothing's happening. And we're going to turn the TV off so we don't hear mm. anything. <laughs> so yeah. little things like that. I love how you said, you know, kind of unplug yourself from the world in a way. So um, yeah. out of respect for your 45 minutes, um, I, I need to let you know we're, we're running low on time here. Um, I have not asked you every single question I wanted to ask. There are many more. I hope you'll come back to the Best Ever You show um, and give us an update on how the book is and teach us more about boundaries. Would that work for you? Come back again? I would love it. I would love Good. it. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, it's been wonderful to get to know you. I'm very grateful for your time and your energy and your wisdom. And um, I hope everybody's enjoyed our show and learned something in the process. So um, author and doctor, Sasha Shilcutt, is the author of Brave Boundaries. And then her other book is Between Grit and Grace. Uh, That's a bestseller. So both books are just wonderful. And I hope you'll go to Amazon or wherever books are sold and grab a copy and make sure to put in the reviews for us. So and we also appreciate you reviewing the show, like on iTunes or iHeartRadio. We love those show reviews as well. So thank you very much, Doctor. <laughs> and um, thank I hope you, you have a beautiful day. And uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Take care. And thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you tuned in. Be brave. Be bold. You and remember to visit us at besteveryou.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.